and welcome to Pimp by Dr. Dory, a podcast aimed at helping you excel during your clinical clerkship in OBGYN. My name is Dr. Dory. I'm an OBGYN resident at Thomas Jefferson University, and I'm a founder of Pimped, a medical flashcard app. My particular interests are in academic OBGYN and medical student education. So this is the this podcast will cover sort of my best tips and tricks for excelling at and honoring your OBGYN clerkship. I'm going to go through a bunch of the questions I'm routinely asked by my students and give you the best tips and tricks I have for both prior to beginning your rotation and things to do during your rotation. So the first question I get asked a lot are, what are the best resources to prep for this rotation? So one of my favorite things that I found as a medical student in OBGYN that I've continued to recommend ever since is the basic anatomy review. So as an OBGYN, I mostly deal with the anatomy from the belly button to the insertion of the legs, pretty much. I occasionally go outside that realm when I'm thinking about complications or other things, but most of what you need to know for for our surgical stuff is going to be right in that compact area. It makes it difficult because most of the anatomy textbooks and lectures you have ever gone through are done by system. But I don't just care about the GYN system. I care about the nerves, the blood vessels, everything that runs in that region. So one great way that puts it all, place that puts it all together is called Procedure Ready OBGYN. It's a YouTube video collection done by a professor of OBGYN that I think is really well done, simplifies it to a great medical student level, but puts it into a great concise video. Um, this is something you'll see in the comments of the podcast um, section if you click on the podcast description. The other things, obviously, most of you guys probably already have netters. Um, it's a great place to look at the normal anatomy and get used to what is normal. A lot of what we see during our surgeries has already been destroyed by prior surgeries. So having a good baseline of where the normal anatomy should be will allow you to follow along even during those complex cases. The other thing you're going to need, you're going to need a really good basic textbook that kind of walks you through all those basic OBGYN concepts that you may or may not have a chance to see during your clerkship. My clerkship in medical school and the Thomas Jefferson School here uses Obstetrics and Gynecology by Beckman, but whatever book your clerkship provides is probably a good basic intro textbook. Um, To be prepared to be pimped during your clerkship, which happens a lot in the OR, at the bedside, everywhere, Um, I have to recommend my own app, Pimped App, uh, the medical flashcard app. It runs through the most commonly asked pimped questions that you'll get during the OR, during a vaginal delivery, all of those things that are otherwise, I think, very stress-producing for a student. Uh, It was one of the things I thought was missing during my clerkship, and so I have taken a lot of time during my first few years of residency to make this come to fruition. So check us out at pimpedapp.com for more information on that. Other really good apps and websites, UpToDate is a go-to. It doesn't matter what you're going to go into. You're going to use UpToDate on a daily, if not weekly, basis. Um, A good app to have, I think, for your patients and to be a really good patient advocate is something called GoodRx. Uh, they also have a website, but it's most of us are on our have our phones with us more often during our rotations. GoodRx is um, a website and an app that provides coupons for people with under insurance or no insurance. And so the people who couldn't otherwise afford their prescriptions can go to GoodRx.com or use the app, print off a coupon, bring it to the pharmacy, and get their prescription at a more affordable rate. Um, as a medical student, a PA student, as an intern, whatever you are, you are going to be the best advocate for these patients and being able to help them do things like 
comply with the recommendations and take their medications and not have to pick between, you know, eating dinner and buying their cardiac med, you can make a huge difference in people's lives, not just on this rotation, but on any. OB specific, there's a great um, lactational med uh, or lactational resource called LactMed, L-A-C-T-M-E-D. That is um, the NIH's uh, app that tells you which medications are safe and not safe during breastfeeding. There's an ASCCP, which is an app that tells you sort of how to deal with abnormal pap smears, the recommended follow-up in those things. The CDC has several good apps for treatment guidelines, particularly I use the CDC STI, so sexually transmitted infection guidelines. So the best treatment and then follow-up, when do we have to follow up with people who have had syphilis or who have had trichomonas and what's the appropriate treatment regimens for them as well. Good things to have on your phone before you even begin the rotation, so you can always have them available at just a moment's notice. There's also the ACOG app and website. Go ahead and join ACOG now. As a medical student, you can join for free. That'll give you access to the practice bulletins and their app, um, which can have a, which has a lot of good resources on it. The other thing you'll want to download or, and have available is an OB wheel. Um, this is used for dating people in terms of their gestational age during a pregnancy. So if somebody, a patient comes in and tells you that her last menstrual period was, you know, three and a half months ago, or her due date is in three and a half months, you can easily plug it into a phone and tell your resident or your attending exactly what her gestational age is at that time. Um, those are the apps I use on a daily basis. You guys, as you get more um, insight and, look, and have other suggestions, please feel free to write us. Let us know the other things you found really useful during your clerkship um, or that you can't live without during your clinical rotations. Another question I get asked a whole lot, how do I excel clinically? How do I do really well in this rotation, have the residents and the attendings think I'm invaluable? And really, how do I get great recommendations and um, comments that go into my dean's letter for whatever you might want to go into, depending, you know, regardless of what specialty you have an interest in matching into? So I think they're, one of the biggest things is sort of figuring out the line between being self-sufficient but asking for help when it's appropriate. And this is tough, especially early on in your third year, you're sort of figuring out how to toe this line. Be proactive. And that means be proactive in appropriate ways, which is the hardest thing to define. But for stable patients who are you know, not in any imminent danger, take some time to do a little bit of reading before you present them. Think about what you um, think is going on with them. Read about the year, their main complaint, what the most likely differential diagnosis is. Take a crack at making a plan for them. You know, say, I saw this patient, you know, your resident just sent you to see a patient in the ER. She has vaginal bleeding early on in a pregnancy. She has a positive pregnancy test and she's just had some spotting. Figure out what you think you need to know and what other tests you need to run before you're going to be able to either discharge her or admit her and try to figure out what you might, what additional information you're going to need and what the most likely diagnosis is for her. Doesn't matter if you're wrong, you're going to get brownie points and bonus points just for having looked it up, put some thought and effort into it, rather than coming back and just telling us the story and saying, I have no idea what's going on. Um, the other way to be proactive, talk to other students, those who have just finished the rotation or those who have just switched. So say you're on GYN surgery first and then you're switching to OB, talk to the students who just switched off of OB. Ask them how were they the most helpful to their residents and to the attendings? What should you expect? Should, do I need to bring lunch? Am I not going to have time to go buy lunch? Or is there nowhere to keep my lunch so I need to always have cash on me or a credit card or something to be able to buy lunch when we're running around and super busy? These are things that are going to be really site dependent. Um, and so it's nice to talk to the students who have just left that site to give you those insights and those helpful tips. And then always before you leave for the day, ask your residents 
uh, what time you should show up the next day, and then what you have sh you should have done before that time. So they may say, be here, meet here at this this spot where we're leaving right now to um, be ready to round at 6 a.m. What does that actually mean? Do you want me to have pre-rounded on the patients I'm going to present to you, meaning you're going to see them, check their vital signs, check their labs ahead of time, and be ready to do all present by the time you show up at 6? Or does show up at 6 mean truly show up at 6 and we're going to round on everybody together? Um, sort those things out so you don't look like you've forgotten steps or anything. Or again, these are things the students who have just finished this rotation should be able to tell you and give you um, insights into the best way to do it. All right, and now let's talk briefly about your first day. Depending on your first day, most places are going to split this up into you're going to do a brief rotation on labor and delivery. You're going to do some time with GYN, either benign GYN or gyne gynecologic oncology um, or a combination thereof in terms of GYN surgery. And then do a little bit of time in, an, in or around clinics as well. Regardless of where you go, you'll notice that OBGYN kind of has their own language. We talk about, we have acronyms that we use all the time. We talk in terms of um, our basic, our past medical history and things in terms of ways that no other rotation does. Um, so one of the first things you should always know, we're always going to ask, what are her G's and P's? G's and P's, gravity and parity. So G, your gravity, the number of times a woman have actually been pregnant. This pregnancy didn't have to result in anything. It could have been an early miscarriage. It could have been a termination. It could have been a live term birth. But anytime she's been pregnant, I want to know the number of times this woman has been pregnant in her life. That's allowed to be zero, but you should be asking, have you ever been pregnant? How about any miscarriages or losses? And how about any deliveries? Um, women will oftentimes not think about an ectopic pregnancy as a pregnancy, but it should be counted in her G's and P's. Um, after that, you have your piece, your parody. You'll hear people say P, um, T, P, PAL, so T-P-A-L. Those are the four things under P's that I want to know. I want to know her term deliveries, and that's going to be anybody, any delivery after 37 weeks is a term delivery. So that's the T. The P is your preterm or anything delivered before 37 weeks. Your A is you're going to be abortions. This is your spontaneous abortions, or what's colloquially known as a miscarriage, as well as your induced abortions or therapeutic abortions. That's medication or surgical abortions. So any, and I oftentimes refer to these as losses, because women sometimes don't want to tell you if it was a therapeutic abortion or not, especially if there are other people in the room, but they'll tell you about a loss that they've had. And either way, it probably was a loss for them, one way or another. And I always specifically also ask about ectopic pregnancies, pregnancies outside of the uterus in their tubes or on their ovaries, because um, those are often forgotten as well. And then L of the T-PAL um, is living. So how many living children do you have? Um, and if that number doesn't equal the term births and things they've had, that's a notable exception, meaning they could have had twins, so that number could be higher than their number of term and preterm births, or it could be low, lower, meaning they've lost a child. They've had a neonatal death, or they've had a, you know, a child that has died from certain reasons. So those are all good things to note any discrepancies there and make sure that you can answer any questions about why those um, Gs and Ps don't quite add up. The other thing you'll hear us say a lot in terms of their general history is a prime or a multip. So a primiparis or a prime is somebody for whom they've had one child or 
oftentimes we'll refer to people in labor who this will be their first child as a prime. Technically, they are not yet a prime, but most of the time you'll hear a shorthanded, oh, she's a prime, meaning this will be her first child. And you'll also hear us say, oh, is she a multip? Meaning is she multiparous? She has had children before. Um, again, we'll often refer to people who are about to be multiparous as multips. So somebody who has had one vaginal delivery and is now on labor and delivery in labor will often say she is a multip, even though she technically is not yet. She doesn't yet have multiple children. She is about to have her second children. She's about to have multiple children. Um, the other thing to understand is gestational ages. Uh, this is, so a term, uh, as I've said, the term delivery is anything after 37 weeks. Your due date for your pregnancy occurs at 40 weeks and zero days. That is your due date for any gestation. Um, to count this out in terms of how many weeks you're actually pregnant, you'll notice that that's too many weeks to be pregnant. So technically for the first two weeks of that gestational age, you weren't even pregnant. The patient wasn't even pregnant. It's, that is the time in weeks from the first day of her last menstrual period. And so technically, conception is going to occur somewhere around two weeks of that gestational age that we're referring to. However, it's easier and more consistent across the globe where last menstrual period is used more often than conception because we can know when our last menstrual period was. We don't often know when the baby exactly was conceived. Um, we do it by this last menstrual period. So it's based on a 40 weeks gestation, even though the true gestation is only about 38 weeks. All right. So those are sort of your basic things. Um, the only other thing for GYN clinic, I'm always going to want to know when a, when a patient's last menstrual period was. And when you ask that, you are asking about the first day of their last menstrual period. The reason I want to know that is I want to know how much I need to worry about pregnancy for pretty much any GYN complaint. I always want to know what her um, age is, her G's and P's, and her last menstrual period. Ideally, if she's sexually active, I'm also going to ask you or ask the patient, what is her birth control method or is she trying to conceive at this time? Um, that's going to be your initial one-liner for anybody you see pretty much in clinic, in the ER, anywhere like that. Um, you'll typically present it. This is a 32-year-old G1 P1001, meaning she has one term delivery and one living child with a last menstrual period of September 7th, 2014 who's currently using birth control of a bilateral tubal ligation done in 2014, um, who is here presenting for abnormal uterine bleeding. That's going to be your one-liner, um, which is, I know, a little bit different than your other rotations. So it's good to get used to that, particularly um, on, well, really for any, for your OB or your GYN rotation. So we're going to talk more in some of the following podcasts about what to expect for the first vaginal delivery that you see, what to expect for the first C-section that you get to see and participate and help with, and then what should you expect when you're going to the operating room for gyne gynecology being a benign hysterectomy, um, a cancer-indicated hysterectomy, um, and then we'll talk more about clinic and specific procedures and things like that. So follow along. We look forward to walking you through your OBGYN rotation and helping you get the most you possibly can out of it. Again, this is Dr. Dory with Pimped by Dr. Dory. Follow us uh, on our website at pimpedapp.com. We're here for more information about your OBGYN clerkship as we go.